In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. It's a dreary day to talk about transfiguration. But then again, maybe that's the best type of day to talk about transfiguration. The transfiguration is a revelation of Christ's identity, and in him it is a revelation of our destiny. So his identity and our destiny. We've come upon the last Sunday of the season of Epiphany, which is the season of light, the season of revelation. And Epiphany, as a season, has two bookends. The first bookend is the baptism of Jesus, where the voice of the Father says to Jesus, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And it ends with today's gospel, the transfiguration, where the Father says, You are my Son, the chosen, listen to him. So you can see, obviously, this is a revelation of the identity of Jesus as the Son and Word of God who shares the divinity of God with the Father. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, as we say in our creed. Now, it's interesting to note that in the Synoptic Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they have the same pattern. Before the transfiguration, something happens. And what happens is Jesus asks his disciples, Who do men say that I am? And then he says to Peter, Who do you say that I am? And Peter, given a revelation from the Father, says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus predicts his coming crucifixion and death and resurrection And Peter says, no, 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 it's not going to be like that. And Jesus, to the chief of the apostles, Peter says, get behind me, Satan. Because Peter was not on board with God's plan, but had some sort of plan in his own mind. And then comes the transfiguration in these synoptic gospels of Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So it has this pattern where the revelation of who Jesus is is followed by the pouring forth of the divine light and uh, the divine life out of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. So uh, what we have is the very shining of the glory of God coming through Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. The disciples, Peter, James, and John, have their eyes lifted to see the divine glory that is always there, but normally it is veiled from our eyes. And then they see something miraculous also. They see Moses and Elijah speaking to Jesus. And Moses and Elijah stand for the law and the prophets, for the earth and heaven, for the dead and the living. 
and as a fulfillment of the whole history of Israel. It's all there. Well, they were speaking to Christ about his departure, and in Greek, and some translations actually say this, in Greek it is his exodus. And that root, that word was used by Luke on purpose as a code word because Jesus was about to move through his own Passover and leave the bondage of, uh, of our sins and go into a new promised land, into life. And so his exodus is his departure from this world through the cross the resurrection, and then finally the ascension. And we have the cloud of the divine presence. And if you know your Old Testament, this cloud is a part of the Shekinah glory, a cloud of glory that followed the children of Israel. It filled up the temple, or rather the tabernacle, before the temple was built, and then it filled up the temple. And so the disciples are fearful because this cloud envelops them. They walk into the cloud and they hear the divine voice of the Father, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. And then they didn't say anything else about it until, until Jesus was raised from the dead and they experienced that glory again And then they put it all together. And in fact, the Apostle Peter in the second letter to Peter mentions that we beheld his glory on the holy mountain and it changed our lives. And in that same letter, that second letter of Peter, Peter also says that we can become partakers of the divine nature we can actually participate in that glory, in that light, in that life of God. Well, you can't stay on the mountaintop forever because when all of this disappears and it's just Jesus with his three disciples, they come down the mountain and the first thing they encounter is someone who is desperately ill. Someone that actually the disciples were not able to heal, but Jesus is able to heal them. But it just shows us that you can't stay on the mountaintop forever, at least not right now. And so on that mountain, the glory of God shined through the very flesh and body of the Son of God. It shined through the humanity that the Son and Word of God took on himself through the flesh of the Virgin Mary. And that's very important. We'll get to that in a second. But as important as this revelation is, what is more important is the revelation of the glory of God on another hilltop. This was the holy mountain. This is the hilltop of Golgotha, where the glory of God is fully revealed And that same body of the Son and Word of God and our humanity hangs on the cross for the salvation of the whole world. So the mountain to the hilltop. John Pridmore reminds us, and this is so beautiful, the transfiguration of Jesus 
which tears in two the veil between earth and heaven, looks ahead to the passion of Jesus, to the dark hour when the veil of the temple is rent apart. Isn't that good? That's so deep. That's lovely. So we have beheld this glory, says Peter and the apostles, and it is the same glory of God, the same light of God that shines, uh, and it has shined all throughout the Old Testament. In our Old Testament passage, Moses, in spending time with God, comes down from the mountain and his face is shining because he's been in the glory of God. Even in his fallen state, his face was shining and people didn't like it. They said, put a veil over your face. We can't handle this shining. It, it freaks us out. And so he was putting the veil up and down, but every time he went into the presence of the Lord on Mount Sinai, that glory, that shining, took a hold of Moses' face. Others saw it too. Elijah and Isaiah saw it in the temple. And then St. Paul also saw this glorious light in the road, uh, on the road to Damascus when he encountered the risen Christ. That bright, shining light blinded Paul. And then the other apostles saw it as well. And so God is light, and in him there is no darkness. And this same light and this same glory is in Jesus and in the face of Jesus. And the apostles actually experienced it. And we, too, can experience it now through the Holy Spirit if we are open to it. Most often, though, we don't see it because we have to come down the mountain and we have to live our daily life. Well, the light of this transfiguration is a revelation of who Jesus is. It is also a revelation that the cross was a voluntary self-offering, meaning that God meant for this to happen And allowed it to happen because surely it would not have happened if it was not God's will to do. Because it was God in the flesh who was going to the cross. Two other things it means though. It means that humanity, our humanity can actually bear the divine light. Even now sometimes we say that person was just glowing. That person was just radiant. And it's not so much that they were pretty. It is that some sort of light inside of them was shining through them. And we see that from time to time. But the last point, this is the revelation of our glorification. We can and will be glorified. We can and will share in this light in this glory, in this life of God, in the new creation. And that's our promise. Now, often people settle for less. They think, well, maybe I can just sort of sneak under the door of heaven. Or maybe I can sneak kind of through a side door of heaven. But that's not God. what God wants for us. God, in fact, has a vision for all of us. And the vision that God has for us is that we would fulfill our potential as image bearers of God. 
as children of God and children of light, that we would be filled with the life and the glory and the light of God, and that we would shine, literally shine, with the powerful presence of God. And that's actually what glorification is. It's a theological word, but it means that we are participating and communing in and being filled with God's own light and God's own life. That's where we're headed. That's what we're meant to be in the new creation in the age to come. And so we ought to raise and elevate our own vision of ourselves, of where we're supposed to be and who we're supposed to be. And it's a glorious thing. This is not our idea. This is God's idea. Who gets the glory of his own glory being filled with his children? God does. God gets the glory. And we get the benefit of being in communion with him. Jesus, the Son of the Father, possesses this light and glory because he has the divine nature. We do not possess that ourselves, but we can participate and commune in it. And so, transfiguration is the revelation of the identity of Christ and also a prefiguring of our own destiny. But we have to live in the real world, and we're about to start our Lenten journey. So we need God's grace to be with us as we take up our cross, as we bear our cross, as we go through a process of hopefully further purification, uh, purifying our mind and our heart. And we uh, want to also mention one thing, that believing this revelation, which I hope everyone does, I believe. I hope you believe in the nature of Jesus as the divine Son and Word. I hope you believe that He shined with the divine light. I hope you believe that you're going to shine with the divine light. But believing this and trusting it does not ensure that we will be insulated from pain and sorrow and grief and virtually unsolvable problems and challenges in our life, because it doesn't. This is a future glory that we're going to share. What we can hope for and ask for, though, is that the Holy Spirit, the very spirit of this God of light, can be in us, in our minds, in our hearts, in our interpretations, in our wills from one moment to the next, that we would be present to God from one moment to the next, present with each other one moment to the next in this life also. It also helps us persevere because it gives us hope. The former Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael Ramsey, recognize that these transfiguring experiences do not rescue us from the humdrum and the horrible. And we probably have a lot of humdrum in our lives, don't we? That's what we have to face, the humdrum. Sometimes we have to face the horrible. But God's spirit, God's light is in us to help us persevere to help us take the next step, to trudge through, to get through it. And so 
he also says, Michael Ramsey, the Archbishop of Canterbury, he also says that transfiguration is in fact the transforming of suffering and circumstances. Suffering and circumstances. Our faith in a transfiguring God can help us move through the suffering that is all a part of our lives and the circumstances of our lives. C.S. Lewis has pointed out that heaven beckons, but then there's always Monday morning. I mentioned that these children are making their first communion and, you know, it's glorious, but then there's Monday morning. The transfiguration is the revelation of the identity of Jesus. It's also the revelation of our own destiny as children of God and children of light. And when Monday morning comes, we pray, shine in my heart, Lord Jesus. Amen.